From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So we are continuing in our series, The Good Father. We looked last week um, at Jesus, our disciplinarian, I believe is the word uh, it was called. This week, um, The Good Father, our message today is called A New Name, and how Jesus gives us a new name. So when we are born, obviously, right, we are all given a name at birth. Uh, some of us have totally different names. Some of us have normal names. Some of us have interesting names. Some of us have really cool names, like Mitch. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, just to be honest with you, I've actually never liked my name. Growing up, I never liked Mitch's. Every time I would see somebody on TV named Mitch, I'm like, oh, what a goofy name is that. Ugh. Um, but biblical names... Not unlike today, but biblical names had significant meaning. You see in the Bible, uh, there's several different instances where people are given names uh, very, very intentionally. The Bible actually can tell you how to name a child because names have very significant meaning. And especially in biblical times, we see that um, when, when a person, when a mother and father would have a baby... Uh, they would name it very intentionally. I mean, even our own Lord Jesus, uh, the angel appeared to Mary and Joseph and said, you will name him Emmanuel. Naming was very particular, very specific, because uh, names signified you being set apart for a specific uh, purpose. Often today, some people don't necessarily name their uh, children for a specific purpose. You know, like, uh, some of you might be familiar with some celebrity child names, right? Um, we don't need to dive into those, but there's some pretty oh, wacky celebrity names. I'm not going to name names like Northwest or Apple or anything like that, some of these weird celebrity names. Um, but there are still people that, that, you know, me and my siblings all have biblical middle names. So obviously there's nobody named Mitch in the Bible, but we all have biblical middle names that our parents uh, intentionally selected uh, because of their original meaning. So God named his nation Israel. We see back, uh, way back in the Old Testament, um, when God changed Jacob's name to Israel, he did it with an intended purpose. The term Israel, when translated, can uh, be translated a few ways. May God prevail, he struggles with God, or he who prevails with God. God named his nation Israel. Because he, he could foresee their history. They were going to be a nation that struggled with people. A, na- a nation that would teeter back and forth in pleasing God and not pleasing God. And God knew this, so he named his nation Israel. Very intentionally. We see quite often in the Bible, it's a quite common theme to see uh, name changes. Okay, often we don't see it too often uh, in our culture today where people go get like a legal name change or anything like that. It's not very common. But we see in Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, we see people getting new names. They're being renamed from their old name to their new name. Okay, some examples, some of the most obvious examples, and there's a big list of them. There's tons of them, and we wouldn't have time to go through them all today. I would say the most notable ones when you read Scripture would be the change from Abram to Abraham, which is just two letters, but Abram to Abraham, the name Jacob 
to Israel, which we already talked about. And we're going to talk about a little more later. And then the, the name changed Simon to Peter. Those are three very significant name changes in the Bible, again, that were done intentionally. It wasn't like Jesus walked up to Simon and was like, you know what? That's a silly name, Simon. I like Peter a lot better. It, it comes off the lips easier. Jesus had an intention when he named Peter, and we're going to look into that. And these, again, these are just a few of many name changes. Sometimes in the Bible, name changes were given by kings, uh, by religious leaders, uh, or political leaders. Name changes were given by God, and names were, uh, new names were given by Jesus. So it was often people in authority, or it was God himself that gave uh, name changes. Uh, so, so this is important here. Biblical renamings... Biblical renamings often were a result of a change of state or a change of purpose. So again, when God would rename somebody, or if a king renamed somebody, or when Jesus would change people's names, it was either because that person was changing their state, or they were changing their purpose. Or maybe not changing their purpose, but discovering their purpose, or they were given their purpose. You know, um, we see Abram to Abraham. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham to signify the moment that God promised him that he would make him the father of many nations. Abram went from Abram, who couldn't have kids, to all of a sudden God promised him and said, you're going to be the father of many nations. So I'm going to change your name to Abraham to signify the day that I promised you that, and you're going to see it come to pass. Because God spoke the words, Abraham will be the uh, father of many nations. He changed his name, and we all know that God saw him through that. Um, we see uh, Simon, the name Simon to Peter. Jesus said to Peter, we all know this passage. It's very significant in the New Testament. When, G when Jesus speaks to Simon, he says, On this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. That name, Peter, translates as the rock. On this rock, I will build my church. Jesus took Simon from where he was, spoke an, a purpose into him, spoke life into him, prophesied over him, and gave him a new name as a fresh start and said, this rock is how I'm going to build my church. Names are significant. The most obvious, and again, I, and I already alluded to it, the, probably the most significant name change in the Bible was the change of Jacob to Israel. Jacob was, was just a man. But God had him as the father of the entire nation where he was going to bring uh, his purpose into the world. Think about that for a second. This one man, Israel, was going to be the father of God's very nation. The, the father of the nation that will have God's favor on them till the end of time. The, the father of the nation that God had a specific purpose and plan for and said, you guys are going to make it till the end because I've got a purpose for you. So what did God do? He changed his name to signify a new purpose. And it's not that God didn't have a purpose for him before, but he was revealing his new purpose for him and said, I'm giving you a new name. You will be called Israel and my nation will be called Israel. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 32. These are the exact words. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. 
that, is a, that, that name, that name change was actually prophetic to the future of Israel. They would struggle with man. They would struggle um, with war, struggle with captivity, struggle with slavery, but they made it out the other end. This nation struggled with God. They, they, they would go back and forth from worshiping Yahweh to worshiping idols and back and forth. And God, they, God had a favor on them, and then he was angry with them, and then he had favor with them because their faith was teetering. But guess what? God's ultimate plan, they overcame all of those things, and they will overcome all of those things because that name change and that promise that God gave to Jacob. What I find incredible is at the times of these name changes, the people receiving the name change didn't know what was going to happen. When Jesus, or sorry, when God spoke over Abram and said, you'll be the father of many nations, he doubts him and says, how is that possible? You know, my wife is too old. It's not going to work. And, and God said, I will change your name. You will be the father of many nations. And at the time, they probably didn't fully understand or even know anything that was going to happen next. But we all know, um, we have a song about it. Father Abraham had many sons. We all know that song. It's kind of bonkers, because by the end of the song, everybody's flailing all their limbs around. But we know that God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. At the time when Jesus spoke to Peter and said, Simon, your name is now Peter. I will build my church on you. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Little did Peter know, very shortly after, he would preach the very first sermon of the very first church. The church that we're in today, the global church I could be preaching maybe the hundred millionth sermon, but Peter spoke the very first sermon which breathed the church into life because God gave him a promise when he gave him a name change. He said, the old Simon is gone. Peter is the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Gave him his new purpose, and he moved forward. And we are here today because of that moment. Another reason for um, a name change, obviously, is ownership. You can see in the name of companies, the name of buildings, the name of, uh, of uh, for example, the Toronto Raptors used to play out of the Air Canada Centre. Now they play to the Scotiabank Arena. Thank you, Jesus, that they're up 3-1 in the finals. Um, we know that you are with us, and we know that that's your team. <laughs> Amen. But the Scotiabank bought the arena, so it's no longer called the Air Canada Centre. It went with a name change because it's new ownership. We get a new name when we walk into new ownership. We're going to talk about our adoption into God's family, into God's kingdom. When we say yes to Jesus, when you have that moment, when you say, Jesus, here's my life, here's my heart, it's all for you. You're not just saying yes to, to Jesus coming into your heart and changing the way that you feel and changing the way you think. You're saying yes to an adoption by a new father. You're saying yes to being adopted into God's very family, to being called his child. You are agreeing, you are signing the contract, saying, I am adopted into this new family. We are now, church, in a new family. We belong to God. God is our father. He calls us by our new name. Now, going back to, the, to name changes signifying a new purpose, I think we can all agree, when we accept Jesus, when we accept that adoption, we now have a new purpose for our life. Jesus says, great, you're part of my family, now I've got a mission for you. 
I've got a task for you. I've got work for you to do. And that's signified by our adoption because we are gods now. Um, so most of you don't know, and I promised I wouldn't uh, dive too much into this, but uh, my wife, Allie, is adopted. And uh, it was actually by uh, Pastor Michelle and Paul, for those of you that don't know. But Allie was adopted. She went from her birth family into her new current family. And it's not that her old family doesn't exist. It's not that that's a, totally not a part of her anymore. But she was given a new name. She is associated with her new family now. She is welcomed into her new family. When we go from death to life, when we go from our old selves into our new family with Jesus, he no longer calls us by our old name. He doesn't call us by our past. Jesus doesn't refer to us by our old selves. He refers to you as my child, my child with a purpose, my child who I have a whole plan for, who I have favor upon because you are now one of my children. It's not that the old part of us doesn't exist anymore. In fact, I think it's actually sometimes good. A lot of people say you need to totally forget your past. But I think it's important to look at our past because we can say, look where I was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. I am now adopted and look where I am now. Now that I'm in my new family. Look where I stand now. Our past still happen, but we're no longer identified by it. We're no longer held to our old name. Because our fathers adopted us into his family. We're going to look at Romans chapter 6. Um, this is Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, we're going to go chapter 6, verse 2 to 4. Paul says, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We, are, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. This alludes to the idea of baptism. When we're baptized in water, our old self is dead. And we come up a new person. When we're adopted into God's family, it's not that we don't have a sinful nature anymore. We will always have a sinful nature until the day that we die. But we're not identified with our sinful nature because God's given us a new spirit. God doesn't look at me and say, hey, Mitch, the liar. Mitch, the guy who's cheated before. Mitch, the guy who has uh, said bad words before. Mitch, the person who has had lust in his heart. Jesus calls me Mitch, my child with a purpose. Look where I've carried you today. We are no longer, um, we no longer have to identify with sin. We don't have to identify with shame. We don't have to identify um, with uh, the, the feeling of falling short with uncleanliness, with unrighteousness. But by nothing that we've done, here's the incredible part, is we can do nothing to earn our new name. There's nothing we can do to earn our new name. Simply because we are in God's family, Christ is our Father, we can now associate with righteousness, with glory, with wholeness, with grace, with favor. Because Jesus calls us his own. I just love the fact that we're not bound to our sinful nature. 
We're still human. But God comes and he, he makes up the difference when we, where we fall short. It's incredible. Jesus does not call us by our old name. Some of us in this room are still living out in your old identity. I'm still living out in my old identity. I'm going to be transparent with you for a minute, church. Um, I don't normally like to be very transparent, but I'm going to do it right now. I'm a person who, um, if you ask my wife, what is Mitch's greatest internal struggle or what's his greatest flaw? It's that I carry so much guilt and shame around with me. It makes it hard to function. I often allow myself to be identified with my old, with my old name. I allow the enemy to walk up and identify me as, hey, Mitch, remember that time you lied last week? That's all you are. I allow him to identify me with my old self. I have a hard time, church, sometimes. I know in my head. I'm, I'm a person who's very much in my head. And sometimes I feel a disconnect between my head and my heart sometimes. So when the enemy will come up to me and say, hey, Mitch, hey, you remember what you did last week? I'm calling you by your old name. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That is what I did. And I allow that to germinate. And, I, and I'll begin, and, and I'm just telling you this, I, I do this very, very often. It's something that I struggle with. And I, when I was writing this message, I was writing it just as much for me to grasp the grace of God. But I find it difficult sometimes to really feel the grace of God on my life. To really feel like I'm adopted into God's family because I'm up here going, yeah, but you did this. I, I'll even uh, sometimes allow the thoughts to pop up in my head like, you know, you've got, you've got ministry to do this week, and it's going to be terrible because of that thing you said. You, you've fallen short. There's no way you can be used this week. But I don't have to identify by that because I'm a part of my new family. And Jesus steps in and says, no, that's my son. That's mine. You can't call him that anymore. And by me, and here's the thing, church, this is what's hard. By me identifying with my old self, I'm basically saying that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. If you're walking in your old self and you're allowing those thoughts and your old identity to define you, you're basically saying the cross wasn't enough. I need something better, and we try and earn it. Christ's sacrifice was more than enough. There's nothing that we will ever do to be able to satisfy that tension in our hearts unless we can come to terms with the fact that we are adopted, that we have a new name. Does this make sense, church? This makes sense? We see in our culture, people in 2019 are going through identity crisis. It's, it's, a, it's a huge problem with identity crisis. And identity crisis takes on a lot of different forms, and we don't have to dive into those but church, we have the answer to their identity. Their identity is the one that Christ says they are. We, they have the identity that God gives them. And we as the church need to show these people who their identity, or what their identity is and who they truly are. When people discover Jesus, they discover their purpose. They discover their identity. Because Jesus at that moment says, welcome to the family. We've got some work to do. And I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to guide you through it. There's going to be nothing that will be too big for you to handle because I take care of my children. When we have a purpose, we walk through it because our identity is in Jesus. I know I'm repeating myself, 
but I'm the type of person you need to tell me the same thing 300 times before I get it. I can be pretty thick up here sometimes. And I have to tell myself my identity is in Christ. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.